0: Eyes peeled, everyone. Welcome to the Full Ten Yards Fantasy Football Podcast.
1: Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the full 10 yards fantasy podcast. You're joined by me, David. We've also got in the room, James, new dad. We've got Adil and we've also got Chris from Detroit. So James, we will start with you. It's your first show back. How are you doing?
2: Not too bad. I'm, um, you know, getting used to this whole idea of there is no such thing as a sleep pattern. <laughs> so, um, hey, but, we're American so...
1: football fans in the UK, James. What's the sleep pattern? <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, well, that, that you that you get more than three hours in a consecutive run. That's the difference. Yeah. At least, at least when you're watching watching the football, you can, you know, get to the end of the game, and then if you've sort of planned your leave correctly, you can kind of sleep through the morning. Where babies don't allow you to do that not when you're sort of changing them as a tag team so yeah i have mentioned on the thing that little evie was born on the 21st so yeah everyone's well took us a little while before we could get mum mum baby home but we're all good now fantastic
1: great to hear and adult we welcome you back how are you doing i'm doing fantastic
0: and i'm looking forward to the nfl week ahead
1: yeah, it should be another good one now, and it's crunch time in the fantasy. It's, it's, if your playoffs don't start this weekend, then they will do very soon. So must win games for everybody involved. And um, we've already mentioned him, but Chris, you join us once again. How are you doing?
3: Uh, I'm great. Thanks for having me. And since from the last time we talked to now, the Detroit Lions have fired their head coach and their GM. So once again, here in Detroit and as a Lions fan, uh, the optimism is through the roof, David.
1: So how, how, do, how do you feel now? Is it a case if you wanted to lose a few more games now to get that pick for, for the new guy to come in and, and have the best possible chance in the draft? Or do you want to see some immediate improvement? Because quite a lot of players openly spoke out against Patricia after he'd gone, which we, we don't altogether see. So are you expecting a, a surge now for the rest of the season or would you rather just get as high a draft pick as possible?
3: Well, uh, personally, I I prefer, you know, a nicer draft pick, you know, moving up in the draft. I believe uh, the Lions are sitting ninth overall now, but as uh, also it's a blessing and a curse. I want to see improvements right away. And the interim head coach, Daryl Bevel, uh, he came out, he had a a statement the other day and he says, "I, I told the guys, look, Uh, Let's go nuts. Let's go out there and play like our hair is on fire. So I'm sure these guys are going to be a little bit rejuvenated uh, and they're going to want to go nuts out there. So, you know, the next few games of the season are going to be fun. Kind of anything goes and what happens uh, will happen.
1: Yeah, and we've already seen it with Romeo Cornell and Raheem Morris with the Texans and the the Falcons, respectively. Both teams have gone on to surges since. Since firing their respective head coaches, so th- th- these do happen. It's sometimes a rest is as good as a change is as good as a rest, even. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, it'll be a very interesting game to see how the Lions get on against the the Bears, who are in who are in freefall this weekend. But one of the two strangest weeks the NFL season has just concluded. We saw Wednesday football. I was, I was going to say Wednesday night football then, but it wasn't even Wednesday night. It was Wednesday afternoon football in Pittsburgh. Only the second time that a game in the NFL has been played on Wednesday. And the first since 2012. Uh, the game in 2012 was uh, Des Bryant actually featured in. So Des Bryant is the only player in NFL history to have played in both Wednesday and Wednesday Wednesday games in the NFL a nice little nugget start there but the Pittsburgh Steelers ran out victorious 1914 against the Baltimore Ravens in a divisional matchup and I don't want to be too dramatic but the Ravens now are we are we thinking that they are going to be struggling to make the playoffs is that is that a bold is that a bold cry
3: they're definitely reeling they don't look uh, great by any stretch of the imagination obviously uh, missing reigning MVP, Lamar Jackson was tough, but they just, they looked all around sluggish. Uh, they look demoralized and I would imagine it's because it was, it was canceled and rescheduled three or four times, you know, and when it comes to professional football players, these guys are creatures of habit that every day, every hour of every day is scheduled for them in terms of their, their uh, r- roster spot, their, their weightlifting, their snap uh, percentages, things along those lines. So when you throw any kind of uh, a wrench into those works, these guys, you know, they get weirded out they get freaked
1: out yeah and it's it's obviously affected things because the ravens were supposed to be playing again last night on thursday night football so that game has been pushed out to to the early part of next week we've got a double header on monday night we've got tuesday night football again next week so really really strange times here and just, I still can't believe that we're avoiding the the week eighteen. The NFL seemingly doing everything that they can to avoid that. So, fantasy perspective, Adele. Uh, who was your who was your standout from the game? The
0: standout from the game for me actually was somebody who I wouldn't have expected to have played well at all, and that was Hollywood Brown. Um, that long touchdown that he scored infuriated me as a dynasty owner of him. <laughs> and, on your um, bench, I assume. <laughs> definitely on my bench. Yeah. I would have won my week had he been in my team. Um, but a lot of people would have been benching him this week, yeah, this week just gone, purely because the last straw had been kind of cast. And now he goes and puts up, okay, it was Trace McSorley passing that. And you, you can't kind of legislate for that, especially with... How he's been throughout the rest of the season. How um, Marquise has been throughout the rest of the season. Yeah, and
1: it, it looked like he cared on that touchdown. It was like, right, give me the football, put the football in my hands. I will make something happen. And it was, it wasn't just one of those bombs where he just it was hit in stride and it was just a free one to the end zone. There was a lot for for Hollywood to do on that long touchdown grab. So. Yeah, I can imagine in similar situations yourself. Fantasy owners will be pulling the hair out over what to do with with Hollywood Brown because he's not somebody that you can rely on on a week by week basis. And his stat line wasn't exactly great. If you take, I know it's if you take away that seventy yard touchdown, but it was still four receptions for eighty five yards and a touch. But if, if we can see some more of that from him in the season, certainly, uh, certainly things will look bright. Juju Smith Schuster, he, he got a touchdown, um, a lot of receptions for him, but but not the yardage. It was it was a weird little stat there that both Deontay Johnson and Juju Smith Schuster both got eight receptions, but um, only managed 46 yards and 37 yards with uh Juju getting the touchdown and Deontay failing to. So Ben, he he passed the ball over 50 times, but not for a particularly high amount of yardage and only the one touchdown. Chris, are we are we worried about the Steelers passing offense if they're going to put up numbers like that? Or is it purely just the fact that Baltimore are a decent, um, decent defense and that it was a a difficult day for Ben in the office?
3: I'm not. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm not worried about Pittsburgh and their and their offense, especially their wide receivers. Uh, You know, this time next year, they might have. Three top ten wide receivers, or two top ten wide receivers, and rookie Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson, as and as you said, Juju Smith-Schuster. There, so personally, uh, kind of on an unrelated note here, I firmly believe Pittsburgh starts the the wheels in motion to draft or or add another quarterback in here to get with these young kids, you know, as soon as possible. Big Ben's done his done a ton for that organization, but I think it's time to get a young quarterback in there to help work and grow with the, with the young foundation of the offensive here. So uh, long-term, not at all. And even in the short term, looking forward to week 13, uh, I'm not worried about the Pittsburgh's offense at all.
1: No, and it was it was Benny Snell that took the majority of the carries with James Connor listed on COVID IR. It was Benny Snell that took the majority of the workload, as we probably would have expected. But the the, the Baltimore backfield wasn't as clear cut as, as some might have, have guessed it to be. So obviously J K Dobbins and Mark Ingram both sat out of this one due to due to COVID restrictions. But uh, Gus Edwards and Justice Hill, a lot of people. Gus Edwards was the most picked up player on, on most waiver wires because they anticipated he would get the majority of the work. But Gus Edwards finishing with with seven PPR points and, and Justice Hill finishing with six. It's not like we had a clear cut winner out of that backfield. So does that fill us with optimism, James, that when J.K. Dobbins does return, he is going to truly take on this backfield now and win some people their, their championships?
0: Um,
2: hmm. <laughs> it, de- it depends a lot. Well, it kind of the problem is if if it's a situation where um, he's the only guy there, then definitely. Or even if it's just Dobbins and Edwards together, you, you'd feel like you'd have a bit of faith in, in him as well. But the Jackson still eats up yards. If Mark Ingram's there as well, robbing a bit of time. Justice Hillstrom, at least a flash as well. I mean, the, the, the Ravens have almost committed to the whole idea of running back by committee to a new level again and it's to me it's always from now on in just going to be hard to be able to trust a single one i mean it's like to be honest it's it's the situation with a lot of nfl teams the days of the bell cow have been numbered for a while um and i think this is another team where you know, you're plugging in in sort of the 50 50 chance that, you know, they're going to go big or not. You'd say that Dobbins throughout the rest of the season should be the, you know, the highest probability of a big game. But, um, you know, it has to fall on the week that you're playing. And at the moment, it's just such a minefield that I wouldn't feel comfortable at all with any of the backs in Baltimore at the moment. Chris, right, so are you a JK Dobbins believer or not?
3: I, I think so. Uh, within reason, I mean, going into the season, it was, you know, everybody, including me thought we had it all figured out. We knew it was going to happen here. You know, Mark Ingram is the man and he's only, uh, you know, he's going to hold that place for the heir apparent in JK Dobbins, but in true to form and true to 2020 football form, uh, nothing has gone uh, as we expected. Nothing is, is what it seems here, but long-term. Yeah. I think, uh, J.K. Dobbins gets the carries and and he's the man there, although uh, Justice Hill on Wednesday, to me, looked fantastic. He looked like he was in fast forward on the field. He looked quick and elusive here. So I think the combo of J.K. Dobbins and Justice Hill in the future here would serve Baltimore very well.
1: Yeah, and if they, I think they need to get rid of, of Greg Roman, but with Lamar Jackson's rushing ability there, J.K. Dobbins, Justice Hill, I don't think they have to, to rely on the passing game too much. they can go back to something, how they looked last year, where they ran the ball so many times, but in so many different ways, I think we could have something truly spectacular there in Baltimore, especially paired with that defence. So that was Wednesday afternoon football, and we now turn our attentions to week 13 and the games ahead. So no Thursday night football. Baltimore, were supposed to play on Thursday night, but that's been rearranged. So we go straight into the Sunday slate. So as usual on a Friday, we'll be looking at the fantasy matchups that we are most looking forward to. And Chris, as guest of the show, fire away with a game that you would like to discuss first, please.
3: Sure. Uh, I'm going to go right for it. I love the, the giant New York football giants, going to Seattle here uh, on Sunday. And I, I I'm going to start with the Seattle defense. I know that's odd, you know, especially in a fantasy show you always want to talk about the flashy quarterbacks and the running backs, but I love the Seattle defense this week for the simple reason. Daniel Jones is not, looks like he's not going to be playing. Colt McCoy is going to be the quarterback there. I can see Colt McCoy putting up a RG3 stat line. He's going to throw the ball 13 times for like 40 yards, a couple interceptions, maybe a turnover here and if you look at Seattle they're eighth in the league in total overall sacks and they're seventh in quarterback hurries here so Colt McCoy is going to have an awful time back there this weekend and to me it's all in the addition of Carlos Dunlap there he's made uh, a world of difference for Seattle in terms of their defense now I know uh, I don't want to sound contradictory because in my my DFS content all season I've actually picked on the Seattle defense because they they've been you know, bottom of the the barrel, if I may say, in terms of passing defense or or, or running defense here. But the Giants just don't, they don't have anything that stands out to you. Or, oh, Colt McCoy is not gonna light the world on fire. Wayne Goldman Jr. has been a nice little addition off waivers for our teams but you know, you can't play them this weekend again, playing in Seattle, Seattle as bad as they've ever been. They just don't lose when they're at home. It's a whole nother beast in Seattle at CenturyLink Field, field in and week out, you know, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, the, the wide receivers from the giants. That's, that's cool. That's one thing. If Daniel Jones was the quarterback, but obviously you have to downgrade the entire offense with Colt McCoy at quarterback, including, uh, Giants tight end Evan Ingram here so I'm going to focus my energy on the Seattle side of things Russell Wilson I mean he is uh, obviously uh, hopefully you guys can agree he's a top three overall quarterback he was leading the MVP race you know it for the first bulk of the games here uh but then look at a guy like chris carson comes back from an extended stay on the ir and something with his hamstring and his leg here and we were all excited even me to get chris carson back in my my seasonal fantasy leagues and he was only on the field for i believe 27 percent of the offensive snaps and uh, after a further uh after I looked into it further, it was just a case of Seattle was fine. They were up. They didn't want to rush him back. He had a tender calf. They they, Seattle, the Seahawks, they have, you know, deep championship kind of, uh, Mentality here, NFC championship game kind of thing. We want to play in the Super Bowl. So why are we gonna rush back our RB1 in a game that we have well in hand here? So look for Chris Carson to be uh, absolutely more involved in this one. I love the idea of, of DK Metcalf. And you'll you'd be surprised here, not T, T or excuse me, not Tyler Lockett. I love the combo of DK Metcalf and David Moore in this one. Tyler Lockett has been, you know, a roller coaster all week, and a, a large majority of his season points have only come in two games. He had 200 yards in one game, 177 in another, and six touchdowns combined in those two games, which looks fantastic on paper. But when you stretch it out, you'll see that he's put up a lot more duds than he has studly kind of weeks here. So Russell Wilson, uh, Chris Carson, DK Metcalf, and and David Moore for next to nothing on DFS sites. Uh, That's who I'm looking for this weekend, guys.
1: And an interesting one about this one is both of the quarterbacks for the teams, I know Daniel Jones is doubtful with the hamstring at the moment. You've already mentioned Colt McCoy, but Daniel Jones and Russell Wilson are currently the rushing leaders for each of these teams, which uh, is a nice little stat headed into this one. And I do almost feel like with Colt McCoy going against this Seattle secondary, it's almost like the movable object versus the the stoppable force. It's, um, it's one of those ones where... I, I can't see the Giants leading them too much. So, so Wayne Goldman, I know that the Seattle have been have been good against the, the defense this season, but how, how are we feeling about Wayne Goldman headed into this one?
3: Well, good. as I said, Wayne Goldman going into this one, he's going to be uh, – he is their starting running back. He's yeah. their RB one. Uh, he's going to have some room to run. Uh, if you bear with me for a second, I can look up what I have for his personal projections here. And as I said moments ago, Gallman has been a nice addition for our teams off waivers, given the landscape of football this season with the with the COVID IR that just the injury bug in general. Wayne Gallman has scored, I believe, a touchdown in back-to-back games. So uh, if he can find the end zone this week, which I believe he does, that'll be back-to-back-to-back games uh with touchdowns here and he's going to see the lion's care of the share share or carry excuse me i have him for about 14 or 15 carries about 50 or 60 yards average about 3.8 yards a pop you know, nothing jumps off the page here. And as I've said, he'll score a touchdown catch, maybe two passes in this one for just shy of 20 yards. So uh, if you have Wayne Gallman, uh, I have no problem starting him, but you have to temper your expectations. Right. And even that isn't even a big deal because you, you point out a guy or a girl who says, yeah, I start Wayne Gallman week in and week out expect expecting a hundred yards and a touchdown. I'll call that same person, a liar. He's just there to kind of, you know, help your team you know kind of a set it and forget it guy you start wayne you know you can get 10 carries out of him 30 or 40 yards a couple of receptions so you're looking at like 10 ppr points a week for wayne gallman which is fine for an rb2 rb3 dare i say here so uh wayne gallman is he's he's an okay start for me i have no uh qualms starting wayne gallman this weekend
1: no a good matchup indeed and like you say seattle at home even without the, the crowd there in Lumenfield, as it's now known, up in Washington, Oops. I I can't see any other result than the Seattle Seahawks winning this one. Adela James, are you going to put your neck out
0: and say, New York have got this? I don't think New York are going to win the game. Um, Seattle's defence, uh, rushing yards per game, 89 yards, so third in the league. So Wayne Gorman really, he's got to play well to actually get something out of that game. But
1: yeah, it's a touchdown upside with him though, isn't it? Yeah. I think that's the yeah.
3: if you real quick, it, you know, when you look at a game, the for I've been saying this for years, the first thing I look at, and I've had some success with it is look at the over-under and then look at the, the team-implied point totals here. The Gi- Giants are getting 10 points in this game, rightfully so, in Seattle, but the, the team-point-implied totals, they have Seattle around literally around 30, scoring 31 points in this one, to the Giants like 17 or 18 points. That tells me all I need to know for this one, guys.
0: don'll take us away with your first pick for this weekend. Who have you got? My first pick for this weekend is the Browns at Tennessee. Um, So looking on the uh, injuries front, Jonu Smith is out for Tennessee. Uh, A.J. Brown uh, did not practice. Anthony Firkster did not practice. Uh, Adam Humphreys has put a full practice in. And if you look at the Tennessee O-line, Roger Saffold and Dennis Kelly, uh, the starters did not practice either. That was yesterday. Uh, We haven't had an update whether they practiced today. And on the Brown side, Kadaro Hodge is out which will give a boost to Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Landry had a full practice. Kareem Hunt was limited in practice and uh, uh, is questionable for the game. And on the defensive front, Denzel Ward is out. So if that's just from uh, overall injuries from both of the sides. If we now go through the quarterbacks, um, I'm stating that Ryan Tannehill is going to be a start for your matchups uh, this week. Uh, ahead. Uh, Cleveland has given up 246 yards per game to the quarterback, uh, which is 20th in the league. Um, Cleveland are also top 10 versus the run, so which could force um, Tennessee to actually throw the ball more. Uh, Tannehill has been a QB1 on half of the games that he's played in this season, and he's only failed to throw a touchdown once. So And he's thrown for two-plus touchdowns in eight of his 11 games. So there's a massive touchdown upside to uh, to his game, which means surefire is probably going to... He could even be a top three quarterback on the week, but top five, top six is quite likely. Baker Mayfield on the other side, I I didn't think that his chances were good last week when we were discussing it on the podcast. Uh, I don't think he's going to have much upside whatsoever when you consider that he just about scraped into a QB one position last week. And that was against the
1: Jags. (laughs) Yeah.
0: He's been a QB one twice this season. Now he is facing a plus matchup in the Titans who are ranked 28th versus the pass, 268 yards per game, but he hasn't thrown for 300 yards in a game this season. He's failed in other plus matchups. I'm not confident of starting him. Sit him, try and look for somebody else to actually win you your final matchup, probably a final matchup prior to the playoffs. If we now go through the running backs, Derek Henry, you're starting him. You don't need to discuss that <laughs> whatsoever, even though they're. Uh, Cleveland a good versus the run is still starting him
1: yeah I mean, just... if you if you look at his it, 1257 rushing yards and 12 rushing touchdowns already this season after 11 games that's kind of like your 16 game what you'd like from a 16 game he's just a monster
3: he might have 50 carries in this one I, and I, I'm not even trying to kid around I mean he might take every offensive snap for this team in this one that's just <laughs> the way things are, are been trending
0: And then if you look at um, the brown side of the ball, Nick Chubb, you're starting him. Tennessee is mid-ranked defense versus the rush. Since coming back from injuries, had 19 carries, 19 carries, 20 carries. All three of those games have been 100-yard rushing games. They're going to continue pounding that rock because Baker has not been so great. Um, Kareem Hunt as well. You can be starting him as an RB2. So even though Uh, Chubbs returned he has had double digit carries in each of those games and he's got um, some PPR upside but the passing upside hasn't always been there this season he's had less than 30 yards receiving in every single game this season and he's only been targeted five plus times once he's got four rushing touchdowns four receiving touchdowns but only one touchdown in total in the last three weeks since Chubb's return. So you've got to be a little bit careful with Hunt's upside, but he's going to get you a solid amount of numbers just due to the amount of touches that he's going to get in the game.
1: Yeah, which is surprising with Kareem Hunt because he, he was training with the wide receivers in the, the preseason, wasn't he? And like you said, that, that lack of PPR upside from a player that we would have expected more from has is, is, is been a little bit disappointed. With Chubb averaging 6.25 yards per carry, it's going to be difficult for Cream Hunt, but like
0: I a good RB2 option in this one. And then moving on to the wide receivers, AJ Brown is a start, a surefire start for me. Eight receiving touchdowns on the season, only failed to score double-digit points in half-point, twice this year generally getting six to nine targets a game but his depth of target is quite high he gets quite a lot of yards when he gets targeted there's a large amount of upside there put him in he's going to be great so Corey Davis um I've put him down as a start a low wide receiver two uh, slash wide receiver three he's good for a minimum of nine points and half point PPR um his upside is quite touchdown dependent uh he's going to get you a solid amount of points and I'll put him in to get kind of that steady level of points. Jarvis Landry, um, before the Codero-Hodge news, I was putting him down as more of a flex play, but I'll give him more of a bump this week uh, purely because there aren't that many options for Baker to pass to. Uh, Last week was statistically an anomaly for him for the season, but I think he's going to be a little bit better than what he's trended over the entire season. So if you look at his season stats, he's only broken 50 yards three times prior to last week. Last week was his first 100-yard game. Tennessee isn't that good versus the pass. So even though you won't be starting Baker, most of the touches in the air are going to go to Jarvis, so start him. He's going to get a reasonable amount of points, but he's not going to blow the world away like he did last week, I don't think. Uh, Tight ends. Johnny Smith is out, as I said. Anthony Firk's uh, I wouldn't even bother trying to start. Um, I don't even think about Jeff Swain, who did get a some points last week, is a complete desperation play, don't even touch him, and Austin Hooper has only been a tight end once this season. Titans are 26th versus Titans for, for scoring, highly touchdown dependent, but he's only broken 50 yards twice this season, so I'm leaning, just don't touch him.
1: No tight ends in this one is your advice then, Adil. So yeah, I, I, I like everything that you've said there. Corey Davis, you've you've mentioned that he's, he's only failed to score the, the nine half half PPR points once, and that was against the Bears where he didn't score any fantasy points. I just that's such an underrated stat about him. And I absolutely love it because people don't think about Corey Davis as being that guy. And, and Chris, you mentioned earlier with, with Wayne Gorman as being that guy that you can just put put him in your lineup and forget about it. Exactly the same with Corey Davis. He's just the kind of guy that you put in, forget about it. And then you you compare him with someone with the higher upside um, to, 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 to go and win your fantasy matchup. So James, Chris, anything to add to the Browns and the Titans?
2: Only thing I'll chuck in is that so at the beginning of the season, and many of us thought the Titans' defense would be, you know, pretty handy, and that they'd made some good additions. But they're, they're actually almost, you know, in sort of the you know bottom half, bottom ten in terms of defending each position. So they're actually a better matchup than you kind of think, I suppose, um, which comes as a surprise. But, you know, we, we, we know what the Browns are. It's very much run, 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 occasionally pass. Um, my, my kind of concern is with Jarvis Landry is going to be if they're going to just cover him, like try and completely blank him on the basis that he's the only weapon. Um, and of course, last week's anomalies because they were playing Jacksonville. <laughs> so, I think there's every possibility, you know, I think this is another one where it is hunt, the Hunt and Chubb show if they're going to do it, but Tennessee might just have too much. Chris,
1: anything to add?
3: Yeah, looking at this game, Cleveland at Tennessee has the highest over-under of the entire uh, Week 13 schedule. So if you look at – if you break that down, it has Tennessee scoring about 30 points, and Cleveland somewhere in that 24-point range. So there's going to be a ton of points here, and they're going to come from somewhere. And my bet is just it's going to be, as James said, the the hunt – and the Chubb show on this one.
1: Yeah, versus Henry on the opposite side as well. So I suppose a, a, a lot of rushes doesn't necessarily lend itself well to, to a high scorer, but um, you love to see a good running shootout. So, James, who is your fantasy spotlight for this week?
2: So, the game I picked to go first is actually the, well, what for us is Tuesday morning, but is the Monday night, night primetime game between the Bills and the 49ers. Yes. Uh, I've, uh, I've basically, in my selection this week, I've basically picked teams that everyone else on the panel uh, supports. <laughs> so um, it, it partly is a way to elicit their action and also because I haven't had much time to revise and I know at least two of the teams I can get bailed out on. <laughs> so that's the tactics going on here. But... Um, Say, Buffalo haven't... I've got a pretty decent bill of health at the moment. Excuse that pun. I didn't even see that one coming myself. Oh, dear. He
1: started. He's he's back. He's
2: He's back. He's back, back, all right. But um, a clean bill of health. (laughs) Um, The only person missing is John Brown, who's on IR, as we know. So Um, you're very much... Stefan Diggs is your wide receiver to start. You play him pretty much every week, unless you have a ridiculously strong roster um Cole Beasley as always seems to be that guy who you can plug it he's like the Corey Davis for the Bills in my opinion he's someone who you you know he can take off but he has a reasonably decent floor um especially when John Brown is out I think that's the main thing um the John Brown absence is kind of good news for Gabriel Davis the rookie who's been showing decent flashes of late and I think that might continue. I think they seem quite keen to be able to, you know, keep plugging him into the play. He's actually a guy that I put on taxi squads in a lot of dynasty leagues this year, um, especially sort of early on when he was starting to break through. And, you know, if you're already in, you know, rebuild mode or you're sort of looking towards next year and you have, you know, either taxi squads or just a deep bench, if he's available, I'd be looking at the grab because, you know, the offense, as we've seen now, is very much you know heavy on the pass and able to do things. The obviously the point with them being heavy on the pass means that the running game is very difficult to predict. And while you know at the beginning of the season, Devin Singletary, I was high on, and now he's probably one of my biggest regrets this season. Um, and it's not that Zach Moss has taken over at all. It's just that the two seem to nullify each other, and the running game just seems to be meh. It's not that it's bad. It's just that you know. You're probably getting ten points. Yeah, you we're know, roughly getting ten points a game. If you if that there's no real breakout, there's no you know boom games. There's not particularly many bus games, but there are so many better options that have developed through the year that you know Devin Singletary seems to be just the anchor that is on so many people's benches where you just don't feel comfortable starting him, but he's too good to be on the waiver wires. Yeah, um, which has been the most frustrating thing when you draft him nearly everywhere, but um it's a case of as an, as an injury plug-in he's as good as anything that's on the waiver wire so you tend to keep him around this game the 49ers are strong in all departments defensively still even with all the injuries that they've had through the season and this isn't exactly a game where you know you you even think about Singletary or Moss in all honesty it's very much um Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs, Cole Beasley at a pinch and that's it. You know, the tight ends are nothing of note. The Bills' defense, I actually was surprised. I looked at them you know, I was doing a little bit of research before coming on air. And the Bills' defense, I thought was reasonably good, but the stats suggest otherwise. Um, you know, they're very much middle of the road to poor. which, you know, for fantasy terms, they look like a decent defense overall. But, you know, in terms of fantasy, they do give away points to pretty much all the positions. I mean, they're the strongest against wide receiver of all, um, the facet, shall we say, but um, it bodes well for the likes of Raheem Mostert switching over to the 49ers. Um, they've needed him back, you know, if they wanted to be at all competitive. McKinnon, however much I hyped him early on in the season, has faded away as though he is a player that is running out of energy. Um, those tired knees and tired legs appear to be uh, still very much anchored down. Um so, but, so Mostert's return is very much required. Looks like Tevin Coleman will also join the party. So it just gets a little bit muddier. But basically, if you have Mostert, I'd be looking at starting him and none of the other running backs. Wide receiver room, it's a bit of a struggle because Debo is questionable. And I've been having this problem all season. Debo, sent me on Brandon ack I don't know what you guys think, so I'm going to throw this open to you. Feel very much like you're playing the same player, whichever one you plug in. If they're both fit, you just feel like you know both of them are in the same boat. They could get 10 or so points, they could get very little, they could get rushing touchdowns, they could get passing touchdowns. But overall, you know that with Nick Mullins at quarterback, you're not actually sure you're going to get much at all. So,
1: yeah, it's it's both very much a player where you give them the ball in space and they will make something happen. They don't necessarily need to have that, that Nick Mullins um passing ability because he can throw the ball behind the line of scrimmage and they will they will turn it into a big long touchdown. And they are very much both the Kyle Shanahan kind of players that that he's looking for, which is which is why we we traded up to, to go and get Brandon Ayuk. We've not seen altogether that much of them together. We've we've seen them in separate times where they've they've both been able to, to go off and get that separately. So getting them back together will be will be something very interesting and it'll be it'll be difficult to to see how it pans out. And I think it will be really difficult to predict because, like you say, James, you don't know whether they're gonna go off for 10, 15, 20 fantasy points, or the game plan is gonna to go to the other one of the two and they're gonna get completely snuffed out. So I don't feel great about either, but yeah. both of them have got the, the big play potential. So both of them need to be rostered. And even if it's just a case of keeping them on your bench so that you're not having to, to face them at any point, it is a really difficult one from a fantasy yeah. piece, fantasy perspective. And it's exactly what Kyle Shanahan wants to do because you know full well that defensive coordinators are in their meetings saying, which guy should we cover? And they don't know. And we're sat here from a fantasy perspective, definitely not knowing who's going to have the, the bigger game
2: and who yeah. to, to play in our fantasy lineup. So I think that's what exactly what Carl Shanahan wants to achieve. It kind of bodes well though in that say the Bills are in the sort of top ten against the wide receivers. And that's what I was trying to stumble into saying earlier, but when sort of you know your top wide receiver option is unknown even to yourself sometimes, uh, it gets kind of interesting because you don't know who's you know going to get the most coverage. The, the guy who I think could be quite interesting in this matchup is actually Jordan Reed, because obviously those, obviously Iok and Samuel have their own strengths and abilities and their own dynamism, but they've been, you know, the 49ers have a habit of using the tight end. You know, you own George Kittle, you're going to, you, you plan in tight ends and rule 81, Kittle's out, Reed's in. So you, you've got to still bear that in mind as well, but he, he offers something a bit different and the Bills have been pretty poor against tight ends. Um, they're sort of in the bottom five um, overall at defending against them. So it does open up, you know, a decent run for him to actually, you know, have a decent day. Um, I mean, I won't be starting Nick Mullins, and I have a struggle starting either defence in this game, if I'm being honest. But, um, I mean, I don't know what anyone else thinks on that front either. But Jordan Reed's probably the one that I've, keep a bit of an eye on and I'd be tempted Simon the way that this tight end landscape's been this year.
1: Yeah. And it's it's one of those where who else are you going to start instead? But I'd I'd, I'd maybe tempted to start the, the 49ers defense. Like I know it's Jared Goff and Jared Goff is a very different player to uh, Josh Allen. <laughs> to, Josh, to Josh Allen but um we we looked good. Richard Sherman he's he's not got he's not got the pace, he's not got the physicality, but it's it's all in his I was gonna to point to my head then as if as if we're doing a live stream, but it's it's all it's all in his head. He's still reading that game better than anybody else on that field right now. And he's still got the ability to make that play. So we're getting healthier. And I am a firm believer of the playoff run and we are going to somehow sneak into that 7th seed but um it could be it could be a sneaky play like if Javon Kinlaw I'm not saying he's going to get a um it's not going to get a pick six every week because like we say uh, JJ Watt has been at the top of his career and he got his second last weekend in his entire career I'm not saying that that Javon is going to do that but if he can be that disruptive um we 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 could certainly certainly move up from there but um it could be could be a sneaky play the 49ers defense i'm just a homer though so what do i know i,
0: th- <laughs> I think if debo is fit you play him in your lineups that's just my opinion and he's going to get enough touches of the ball and they showed that last week with how they were using him in the game they were using him in multiple different ways to try and get him involved but he's such a dynamic player that he's going to get some points.
1: Yeah, and Brandon Ayuk actually has had double-digit targets in both of the last two games that he's played. And now we, we're going back quite a way here because he's he's missed so much time going back to the, the game before the Packers game. But in his last two games, he's had 10 and 14 targets. So Ayuk has, has seen a lot of love here. And it's they both could go off. They, they could both go off. Chris, what are your thoughts on the, the Debo Ayukabate?
3: I love Brandon Ayuk, the rookie. He's uh he's gonna he's going to be good for a long time in this league. It's just one of those circumstances where him, him and Debo have been in and out of the lineup all season. They just can't seem uh to get healthy for any extended period of time. Uh I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, David. You would know, I think both were placed on the the COVID IR for a short period of time. Uh Currently, either currently or or not too long ago here. But uh, when both guys are in the lineup, that's when this offense is kind of clicking on all cylinders. And again, looking at uh, week 13, I think it's a big Raheem Mostert kind of week, uh, guys.
0: Yeah. Is this the
2: first time all three have played together, by the way? Or did they get a chance early in the season? Because Debo missed early, and then I feel like Mostert and I took turns in being out.
1: Yeah, it's yeah. certainly the most offensive weapons we've had for a while, apart from George Kittle.
2: But yeah, though next season with those those three, Kittle and Jimmy G or in certain or that yeah, Dak. It's just ANL the quarterback, who whatever you go with at the quarterback position. Aaron Rodgers. Matthew That's, Stafford. <coughs>
1: yeah. Matthew Stafford. Yeah. <laughs> now, I'm still convinced Aaron Rodgers is retiring
2: back to his homeland, California. He'll end up with Andy Dalton
1: no Absolutely. no thank you
2: <laughs> I thought I'd throw that dagger you
1: no know, Aaron Rodgers to retire back to San Francisco to he'll win the Super Bowl with the pack this year and then he'll come back to California to win another one with the 49ers That's, that's I don't know which part of that is least likely he's, he's a 49ers fan what can I say and he hates Green Bay right now so um there, there we go that is my take so we head on to, to my game and I am going to go for a divisional matchup in the NFC South and that is the New Orleans Saints facing off against the Atlanta Falcons. Now we are just two weeks removed from the last time that these teams played. So it is always a good benchmark for us to judge about how players were used. And obviously the coaches are going to mix things up a little bit, but we can, we can start to get some ideas. But there are some personnel changes. So on the injury report for both teams, it's the usual faces that crop up. So if we look at the Falcons, we've got Julio. Guess what? He's questionable with a hamstring. We've got Ridley. He's questionable with his foot injury. Gurley, he's questionable with his knee. And Hurst, questionable with his ankle. So the top four guys there in that Atlanta offence, if you exclude the quarterback position, are all questionable with their with their injuries that they've been carrying all season, which is a really difficult one to look out for. Julio was kept out last week. He missed part of the game against the Saints the the previous week before that due to his hamstring injury. Gurley obviously sat out last week as well. So these are really key key positions to be be looking out for headed into this game because if any of them miss time, then it really affects how this game plan will go. But then on the other side, we have got Callaway and Harris, the, the two wide receivers there in New Orleans, who are both questionable with knee and neck injuries. Michael Thomas is questionable with his ankle and Kamara with his foot as well. So again, on the Saints, it's all the usual suspects with their usual injuries on the injury report headed into this one. Um, your players like Kamara, I think it is just a maintenance thing. He is someone who is battling an injury, but he will play through it regardless. He was rested towards the end of the game last week in the blowout against Denver, but he should should get plenty of work in this one again. Now, from matchup perspectives. Atlanta have, have have leaked points in the in the passing game. So against quarterbacks, wide receivers, tight ends, it's always been bond to look out for the Atlanta matchup to play. Uh, Taysom Hill still <laughs> that's, uh, rushing, uh sorry that passing touchdown still eludes him. Um he's he's been great on the ground. He did have uh, 24.2 points 2 weeks ago against the Atlanta Falcons. So I don't think you've got any problems in playing Taysom Hill in this one against the Falcons. From a passing perspective, I'm not feeling too great about about things from the from the the New Orleans side of things. If if Thomas does go, you have to play him for that for that PPR upside. But Taysom Hill isn't known as your passer, and I think we we are really struggling from a fantasy perspective until Breeze gets back, which, as we've discussed on this podcast, might not even be this season. Jared Cook, I think, and I said this two weeks ago. I, I covered the same matchup in the same podcast two weeks ago. Jared Cook, I do like to have to have a game in this one. Um, I think even though Trumpman has, has come out as the guy who who Taysom Hill seems to seems to be leaning towards, Falcons are not great against the, the tight end position. I think Jared Cook will, will get a touchdown and a few yards in this one. Uh, from the running back perspective, obviously last week we saw Latavius Murray go off. He had the, the two touchdowns, a couple of big runs there, and he broke Alvin Kamara Owner's heart when when he when he did that. And Atlanta, they're, they're stingy against, against running backs. They're not giving up a lot of fantasy points to the position and points that they do give up are, are typically through the air to the running back position. And Taysom Hill is not targeting his running backs. Both Alvin Kamara and Latavius Murray both got 10.5 PPR points in, in the last matchup. So do I sit Alvin Kamara? That is a big, big question, but yeah, with, with the injury that he's got in a in a negative matchup with Taysom Hill at quarterback, I am sitting Alvin Kamara this week, and I know that's a bold shout, but um, especially where he drafted him. But I've, I've I've seen enough to to bench him at this very moment in time. I'd I'd, I'd rather play. I'd, I was going to say I'd rather play Jared Cook then. Completely different position, but I'd, I'd I'd be looking to 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 other players instead of Alvin Kamara at this very point in time. And Gurley, although he is battling his knee injury, it remains to be seen whether he's going to play. It wasn't a great split last week in his absence. So, Ito Smith and Brian Hill both carried the ball. Um, They got 12 and 13 carries. Smith got the touchdown. But Brian Hill got 50% of the offensive snaps and uh, Smith only got 36 of them. So... Smith got the passing work. He got five targets, four receptions, ten yards. It's a really difficult choice to make, especially against a New Orleans Saints team that is not given up a lot of points to the running back position. So I am not starting either of those. Calvin Ridley, if he plays, it's an obvious one. He is going straight into your lineup. And Julio Jones, I think he could well miss time again. He, he is battling with his hamstring injury, like we've said. He missed last week. He missed time in the Saints game the week before. And we, we go back to the usage behind Ridley last week. So obviously, Ridley, he, he was the most targeted wide receiver in the game against the Raiders last week. But we've got Gage, Powell, Blake, Zacchaeus. They're all targeted a different amount of times. And, and Gage feels like he should be the player that, that steps up and takes that wide receiver two role in in Jones's absence. But he, he was on the field for 88% of the snaps last week, but he only got five targets, three receptions and 34 yards. So it's not like he's capitalising. And it was Powell that did get the touchdown last week. So it's a really difficult one to predict. And in not a great matchup for the wide receivers, I'm only playing Ridley if if Jones sits, and I'm, I'm putting Jones in if, if Jones does go as well. Hayden Hurst, I do like to have a big game in this one. Uh, well, I say a big game in, in the tight end position game. And Taysom Hill, I'm starting. And Matt Ryan, only 7.3 points against the, the Saints two weeks ago. So I am sitting him again this week. Interesting one. Raider, uh, Falcons looked really good against the Raiders last week. James, are we... Are we starting Matt
2: Ryan? I'd say from recent weeks, it's been... Well, from most of the season, it's been if Julio Jones is playing in any capacity, Matt Ryan is OK. When he's missing Julio, even if he has every other weapon, he just seems to struggle. And, you yeah, know, the questionable tag on Julio. While it is a cause for concern, I feel like he has that tag permanently emblazoned on him unless <laughs> yeah. he's definitely out. I don't think I've seen Julio with a healthy tag outside of like the first two weeks for a long time, Um, not through a full week anyway. So it's it's just difficult. Um, I mean, Matt Ryan is actually a guy I've seen on many a waiver wire this season, Uh, just because he's had so many dug games that you know you can't feel like you trust him. To me, the Saints' defense is against the wide receiver is just a little too strong to feel comfortable starting Matt Ryan and you know the way this league is there are plenty of streamers available so i i'm veering towards no but then again if julio sort of proves that he's fit happy raring to go and you know he's taken off the report before sunday then that flips on its
3: head i reckon
1: and chris i've mentioned jared cook but it's uh, it's not jared cook that you've got in the bottom of the barrel is it this week
3: no absolutely not it is uh Let me see if I can find him here. It is more the rookie Adam Troutman. If you find him, he's $4,300 on FanDuel, $2,500 on DraftKings. I like the value you can get with a guy like him because I I believe – uh you said it moments ago, you like Jared Cook to have a big game, and that's all well and good, but long term I don't I think he's on his last legs as like a really studly kind of, of tight end in the NFL. And I think you know it, it would be it would behoove the the New Orleans Saints to just pivot and transition away from Drew Brees uh completely right Get, let Taysom Hill have the reins or or even uh Jameis Winston here. I think a lot of the the, the wide receivers and the, the running backs would do well in the absence of Drew Brees here. Get another kid in there and uh let him go nuts. So I like Adam droughtman this weekend.
1: I'm I'm Matt Ryan to, as well.
3: I do not like Matt Ryan this weekend and, and New Orleans Saints they have been uh in my eyes, they've been the best defense. They've been the hottest defense, let's say, the last like three or four weeks. They're playing out of their minds. You know, their their secondary has been uh, very optimistic, uh, opportunistic, excuse me, and uh, they're getting to the ball. You know, they got one of their D linemen. I think his name is Trey Hendrickson. He's uh, second overall in, in sacks right now. Who the heck knows who Trey Hendrickson is? He, he plays with that gloves.
1: Half- <laughs> I know that much. <laughs>
3: He's got nine and a half sacks. It's good for third overall in terms of of sack leaders so far this season. So, you know, a a defense is uh, hitting on all cylinders when you have a young kid like Trey Hendrickson, uh, third overall in in sacks. So uh, I'm doing all I can not to play any Atlanta Falcons. Uh, I think I will uh, if Julio is out and Calvin Ridley is out, Todd Gurley is out, the list goes on. I think I might have a little bit, I'll sprinkle a little bit of exposure to uh, Russell Gage. Uh, this weekend,
1: and adult
0: the NFC South matchup. So, if you look at the uh, Saints' defense, they've given three hundred yards not in a game uh, from a, from a passing perspective, not once at all. Um, almost all of their games kind of in the range of two hundred to two hundred sixty, but I would say this matchup probably more around the along the lines of two hundred twenty yards considering the pieces that Atlanta may have out. So I'm not fancying Matt Ryan at all. And Jared Cook has had five targets in the last three games. I don't fancy him to have that plus matchup. So maybe, uh, 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 as said before, Adam Trankman may be a, a guy to put in.
1: Fantastic. So we go full circle and now we will spend two minutes talking to each about our second matchup for the week. So Chris, who have you got? Who narrowly missed out as the top matchup, but uh, you still want to talk about?
3: Green Bay Packers hosting the uh, Philadelphia Eagles here. This one, uh, again, I don't know why. I'm just like, it's one of those weeks where I, I love certain defenses here. And Carson Wentz looks absolutely awful. So if you have any any, and all IDP players for the Packers, you play them. If you start a DST in your legs, play the, the Green Bay Packers. Uh, they don't have the pass rush to be a top five uh, DST unit this weekend. But you know you can count on Carson Wentz being – absolutely uh, stupid with the football. So look for an interception or two from Wentz. You know, you can get a fumble recovery out of Wentz uh, there too. Aaron Rodgers, the the aforementioned Aaron Rodgers has been playing out of his mind as a 36-year-old quarterback. I think there's a case to be made here where you can start both Green Bay Packers running backs Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams and I'll tell you why is as quick as I can here I see a case where Green Bay is up 31 to to 14 or 31 to 10 heading into the second half and we're going to see a very steady and high dose of Jamal Williams in this game you know even without a blowout Green Bay gives Jamal Williams entire series to himself here so Aaron Rodgers both Green Bay Packers running backs Devontae Adams, personally, I find him to be the best wide receiver in football. He's a big-time start. Carson Wentz, pfft, no thank you. Uh, Miles Sanders, absolutely. Boston Scott, yes. Uh, I'm going to pass on Travis Fulgham, but I love Jalen Rieger because uh, they, they, it looks like they're working him in a little bit. They're giving him his own packages here, maybe a reverse or two, a, a, a flea flicker. Who knows what the heck is going to go on. Philly is going to have to be uh, very uh, – how can I eccentric or they're going to have to open up the playbook if they want any chance here in green Bay, the Packers just don't lose at Lambeau field in December. It just doesn't happen. So uh, look to get Dallas Goddard in your lineups too here, but uh, green Bay big in this one guys.
1: Yeah. And they've got to give Mars Sanders the football. He's such a talented guy. And I saw he's, he's 30 something. In, I'm making these stats up now, but he's 30 something in carries and he's like 14th and something in yards. Like his yards per carry and the, 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 when he gets the ball in his hands is so good against the Green yeah. Bay defense that is leaking points to the fantasy football position. With Carson Wentz playing the way that he is at the moment, feed Miles Sanders.
3: Sanders has, oh, this is shocking, he has 108 carries so far this season, and I know that's very light, And but he was injured for a, a few uh, games here, but he's averaging 5.6 yards a carry here, and yet I, they, the NFL, or excuse me, fantasy sites have him projected around 12 or 13 carries here. That's just not going to get it done. If you're averaging 5.6 yards a pop uh, against uh, a not good running defense, as you've said, David, uh, he deserves 20 carries a game at least.
1: And I'm glad you have the stats in front of you there, Chris. I knew, I knew it was a low number of carries compared to the high yards per carry, but I'm glad you had the stats there in front of you. So yeah, glad please, please, please Philadelphia fire up Miles Sanders. Okay. We go back to you, Adil. Who is your second game?
0: My second game uh, of the week is the LA Rams at the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, on the injury report, nothing of note. Uh, so, um, from that perspective, uh, we're A-OK. Uh, Jared Goff, I have him down as a sit for the week. Um, he has a large flaw when it comes to passing yards. 198 yards is the lowest that he's passed in a game this season. But he's only been a QB1 four times in the season. He cannot protect the football. Ten IENTs. He's fumbled the ball seven times, lost four of those. He's had two interceptions in three of the last four games. Arizona is 13th versus the pass. I don't trust him for this matchup. Kyler, he's a start, but really temper your expectations. The Rams' defense is third best versus the pass. It's fourth best versus the run. The last two weeks, he's only um, Kyler has only rushed five times, with last week being the first time. He's not had a touchdown score on either side of passing or rushing. Um the Rams have only given up 300 passing yards through the air once this season. And they've only given two plus TDs passing in three out of the 11 games. So the upside is not as much there for Kyler start him, but be very careful. He's not going to blow your blow the league away. Um, From a running back perspective, the Rams, I wouldn't start any of their running backs. So Arizona may rank 22nd versus the rush but there are three running backs who get carries. Daryl Henderson and Cam Akers were getting the majority of the last two weeks. Henderson has been highly inefficient in the last two games, 10 for 19 yards, eight for five yards. They've had instances of where all three running backs act as like a three-headed monster, and you can't tell who's going to get the points in a a given game, so avoid them. Uh, uh, For the other side, uh, Kenyon Drake, starts him he's clearly the rb1 on the team he's averaging 16.8 carries per game this season He has had games where his yard per carry has been below three so but that's in three of um three games but two of those were versus seattle he has some ppr upside starting he's going to be okay chase Edmonds is clearly the rb2 on the team he's a ppx a ppr flex Play at best. He has a low upside unless Drake gets injured on the game. He's had four touchdowns on the season, three of them being receiving. Um, there's not a lot more than just he can be okay, but he's not going to blow your minds away. From a wide receiver perspective, Cup uh, and Woods are both starts. Uh, despite Goff's problems, they are getting targeting and they are getting yards. Cup has, although if you look at Cup, he's finished outside the top thirty on seven occasions this year, and Woods four times. Um, So the upside, again, is potentially not there just purely because of Goff being incompetent at times. Nook, on the other side, is starting him, even though the Rams' defence is pretty damn good. Um, From a tight end perspective, start nobody. Nobody's getting any sort of points throughout the games this season. I will not touch them with a barge pole. And defence, I would start the Rams' D, definitely. Kyler has been sacked 18 times this season in the 11 games. The Rams' D is averaging an INT per game. They've recovered seven fumbles in the 11 games. They've got 34 sacks on the season with a game high of eight. So when you consider that Kyler does Tend to get sacked, even though he's a mobile quarterback. The Rams are likely going to get uh, pressure to him, so start them, they're going to be gold. Fantastic.
3: May I ask real quick? Sorry to be a weirdo. What's uh? You said you wouldn't touch him with a barge pole. Normally, we say wouldn't touch him with a ten foot pole. So I imagine a barge pole is what ten feet long?
1: Uh, no, it's six feet. Okay. So it's and it's
3: six. on a barge, and you what, what do you what do you use it for?
2: Uh, that's a very, that. actually tif- difficult. Uh, very, doing boat
1: stuff? very good question. Yeah, boat stuff, but um, okay.
2: it is literally, literally so. A barge is like a small river boat, and the idea is that yeah. when it's quite sort of narrow lanes, as such, you use the barge pole to effectively push yourself along physically. So, oh, okay. just just imagine. Um, like a pole in skiing, but you're on water and you're using it against the land. Maybe it's just to, you know, dislodge yourself if you've wedged on like a wall or something. Uh, but they're very, very long. That's kind of the point of the joke, I think. Got it. Yeah.
3: Uh, no, it makes the- sense. A long pole I love coming used... on this broadcast. <laughs> I, you, I learn something new every time, seriously. Which
2: We just know if we use 10-foot pole, people complain about metric and imperial units again, and we're not going <laughs> down that line. <laughs> <way>. oh, <okay. laughs>
1: a uh, long pole used to propel a barge and fend off obstacles. I'd like to That's see... it. Yeah, there we go. That is Maybe the, the Jets could
2: sign one. <laughs> that is the
1: definition <laughs> of
2: a barge pole. Okay, James, take it away. My uh, other game is going to be, well, it's... Very quickly, going to run over the Bears and the Lions in their new era without Matt Patricia. Um, it's a game with the last one was you know, very few injuries. This one has a few of note. For the Bears, Alan Robinson just today has gone onto the injury report with what is put down. Well, has it been, I don't know if it's even been put down. It's a knee injury. There we go. Um, in practice today. So he is now questionable. Um, we still don't think we're going to see Nick Foles, so it'll be Trubisky again. Donald Mooney, the other, you know, the rookie wide receiver who's been doing well, he also has a knee injury. So you're left with Anthony Miller, who has been very much underwhelming, and Jimmy Graham, who is usually, you know, touchdown dependent, but is, the you know, defending against the tight end is the one thing Detroit have been able to defend against this year. So... It's a tricky one to be able to start anyone other than David Montgomery, because the Lions are the worst team against the run. And David Montgomery finally has a chance to prove himself, which, you know, it's one of those games where the Bears are the worst running team in the NFL against the team who are the worst at defending the run in the NFL. So this could really one of them hopefully stops the rock. And I'm sort of expecting it to be David Montgomery purely because that's the way I see the game script going with all the injuries they have elsewhere. Yeah. For the Lions side, Kenny Galladay has been ruled out again. Uh, possibly one of the most frustrating players to have on your fantasy teams at the moment because he's primarily in-out, in-out, mostly Shake out. All about. <laughs> well, it all Well, he could do with shaking out a few of his injuries. But um, yeah, he's, he's out. So it's back to Marvin Jones, Danny Amendola and anyone else that you feel like playing. But in reality, it's Marvin Jones if you play anybody. DeAndre Swift is questionable. And if he does play, he is purely going to... They say he's going to be used situationally, uh, i.e. not a lot. So you're going to see a lot of Adrian Peterson and on Johnson, which, again, against the Bears, I'm not fancying. And Matt Stafford is also questionable with his thumb injury. I imagine he'll play because he's a tough cookie, but with the weapons being depleted, really TJ Hawkinson is the guy I want to be playing.
1: So Chris, as the resident Detroit fan, and obviously we've spoken about the the head coaching situation there. How how are you feeling about this one?
3: Yeah, I'm with James. How can you uh, get away uh, from a team, you know, the opposing team playing the Lions here? Uh, The Lions are are, are getting three points. They're on the road uh, in Chicago. And I'm shocked, James, you didn't mention how well Mitchell Trubisky plays against the Lions he throwing three touchdowns against the Lions for Mitchell Trubisky is just what he does his last four games Mitch has thrown three touchdowns so he's got 12 total touchdown passes in his last four games against the Lions Uh, in six career games against the Lions I believe he's thrown for just over 2100 yards so that's about a 266 yard Uh, passing a game for for Mitchell Trubisky here. So uh, I'm fully expecting Mitchell Trubisky to throw for three touchdowns, 275 uh, yards or so. Uh, Dima is going to have a fantastic game. I love Darnell Mooney for DFS purposes here. I mean, heck, uh, Mitchell Trubisky is headlining uh, my DFS article, Bottom of the Barrel, this week. And people are are calling me crazy. And uh, What do you mean I'm crazy? Mitchell Trubisky, if he does what, if this guy does one thing, right, it's throw touchdown passes against the Detroit lions here. So uh, yeah. Uh, Chicago's going to win here. It's going to be a tight one. I could see, you know, with the point spread and the over under here, I could see Chicago winning by three uh, or maybe four points here. Uh, you know, like a last minute uh, field goal as time expires. Some something along those lines here, but uh, yeah, I'm with James. You're going to want to start your, your Chicago bears here. And, and on Detroit, uh, I'm not looking to start anybody really. It's a bummer. What's going on with Swift and his concussion and, and his, the way he's been a sluggish and and not himself, uh, as Adrian Peterson has said. I mean, if you want to throw a dart, Marvin Hall's a a nice bet. Uh, Stafford looks his way deep maybe once or twice a game here. And one guy on the Lions, which is a lock, is TJ Hawkinson here. The rest I could do without.
1: TJ Lockinson, if you like.
3: Oh, yeah, good one. The last time time
2: he's met back in September, it was 27-23, and I can see a literal repeat score. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely.
1: Mitch Trubisky scored 24 points in that matchup. So um, three like, touchdowns.
2: If it, if it wasn't for the whole Robinson and Mooney both being questionable, if you if you kind of could say yeah both of them are playing, then yeah I'd be kind of all over it. But Robinson getting injured, you know, only getting put onto the report on Friday <laughs> with an injury in Friday practice, that's just one to keep an eye on the Twitter feeds and just wait to see what you know the outcome of it is. it you know because it's still quite early. It could be that. It was just precautionary and it was absolutely nothing. Or it could be that, well, this is game week in jeopardy and all of a sudden you're sort of switching. And Anthony Miller is just not a guy I want to be switching to.
0: No.
1: The Twitter feeds or the full 10 yards fantasy injury report brought to you by myself. So we head over to my final game and it is another South division matchup but this time the AFC and it is the Indianapolis Colts at the Houston Texans so obviously the Colts last week had a difficult loss against the Tennessee Titans in what was a battle for the for the top of the division and the, the Texans did beat the, the aforementioned Lions on Thanksgiving as they look to I don't want to say make a, a late playoff surge but um, as they look to certainly set their ways for the next season so obviously earlier in the week on the podcast we discussed the the wide receiver situation there in houston so kenny stills got cut just before randall cobb landed his way onto ir and will fuller landed himself a suspension due to failing a drugs test so kiki Kuti was the consensus uh waiver pickup there and the Indianapolis Colts, they've been good against the well, the against both the run and the, the passing defense this year, but I think they're going to concentrate all of their efforts on Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks, he's a he's a veteran wide receiver of this league now. He's a he's a highly talented, speedy player. So I think they're going to concentrate on their efforts on stopping him, which is going to leave the opportunity for players like Kikikuti to, to step up and have a game. So Indianapolis on their side of the ball, they've, they've got Philip Rivers on the on the injury report with a, with a toe injury. So he's supposedly questionable, but it's exactly the same situation as last week. He was questionable all week with a toe injury. He played. He was fine. It'll be the same again this week. It is a favourable matchup for the running backs and Jonathan Taylor comes back to the... back back to the running room just to make our lives even more difficult. So last week, Jonathan Taylor was out. Uh, Hines carried the ball 10 times for 29 yards, no touchdowns, but he had 10 targets, eight receptions and 66 yards, and that one against the Titans. And Wilkins was only able to carry the ball six times for 22, but he did have four targets, three receptions for 35 yards there. Hines, I don't think... Uh, Jonathan Taylor is going to come in and take a lot of those targets away from him. But with a a poor Russian performance last week for for Naheem, I think Jonathan Taylor is going to come back in. He is going to get a lot of carries. And we finally saw him just kick off and start two weeks ago unfortunately he was last out last week on the, the covid ir but i think jonathan taylor does come back in a favorable matchup to to really help the Colts with this one here so so i'm starting both him and naheem hines because like i say, naheem hines has got that ppr upside because philip rivers loves throwing the ball to his running backs Tight end room, Uh, it was Trey Burton last week that seemingly was the guy who won the job there. We've talked about it all season as to whether it's Doyle, Burton or or Mo Ali Cox. And it it was a Burton week last week, but I don't think we should take that to be gospel too much and that we should really look into that. It could easily be any of those. Pittman is a guy who... It's now really his chance to, to crack on and and show the league what he's all about. And um, C. Y. Hilton, he, he did have a little bit of a game last week, but he's he's seemingly done there. Philip Rivers needs that number one receiver, so it, it, it's <laughs> Eugene, <laughs> as we call him on yep. the show. So um, it is it's Pittman time. He's he's a start every week, in my opinion. And then uh, just getting back to, to Houston there, Deshaun Watson, I think now is really his time to, to step up and show the league what he is made of. Obviously, he's always got that rushing upside, but he's had DeAndre Hopkins all all his career. He's had Will Fuller so far this season. Now is his chance against a good defence to show what he is made of. And it's, it's one of those where you've got to play him. He's a, he's a good fantasy quarterback, but it is a poor matchup and he's lost his best weapon, but you still start him. So for me, I'm still starting him, but I really want to now see what Deshaun Watson is made of and just how good a quarterback he is in this league. Duke Johnson will be taking the majority of the carries again. But again, Indianapolis, I don't want to, to start Duke Johnson running against DeForest Buckner uh, with Darius Leonard behind him. No, thank you. I am not starting any Texans running back in this one. Cool. So that concludes our roundup of the, the matchups going into this weekend. So just, just closing out the show now. So Chris, we've already talked about the bottom of the barrel a couple of times. Tell us where we can find you and where we can find it on Twitter, please.
3: Yeah, you can find me. It's uh, quite simple at Detroit beastie. Uh, you can find it exclusively at DFS cheat uh, I put out my, my player card graphic, my player graphic cards uh last night my favorite plays at each position and when we're done here in the broadcast look for my top 10 player players excuse me at each positional graphic so a uh, lot coming in so a uh, happy early holidays to you and uh thanks for having me on again david
1: yeah same to you chris obviously now we're uh, thanksgiving's out of the way and we are on the run down to christmas and plenty of football we've just had the the christmas schedule released and for us here in the uk we've got a 9.30pm game on Christmas Day. Then we've got the triple header on Boxing Day. And then again, it's it's, it's looking really good, the, the the Christmas games that week. So really, really looking forward to that. I'm watching some football. And as you can see, I'm here wearing my uh, 49ers Christmas jumper already. So getting fully in the spirit. James, it's been great to have you back. Where can we find you on Twitter?
2: As always, I'm at NFL hype train. Uh, I mean, I'm currently still in the engine shed, so um, don't expect an awful lot of activity. But when uh, when the staff are there to fire it up again, <laughs> by that I mean me, um, I'm sure you'll be able to hear about it. But um, I miss saying this. Toot, toot.
1: Yeah, toot, toot indeed. And finally, Adil, where can we find you on Twitter?
0: I can be found at Dilly Toon, D-I-L-L-Y-T-O-O-N. And um, uh, I'll be looking forward to see you guys on there. Yeah, wonderful stuff. I have been David. You can find me on Twitter at Dav
1: underscore F10Y. Once again, thank you so much for listening. It means so much. So get involved, get interacting with us at F10Y Fantasy. We'd love to see it. Heading into the weekend, of course, we will have all of the usual content, the starts, the sits, the injuries, and the DFS. So make sure you head over to check that out. Thank you very much for listening, and we will see you on Monday. You've been listening to the full 10 Yards Fantasy Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at F10Y Fantasy and over on our website, ww.full10yards.com where we cater to all of your American football needs from NFL General, Fantasy Football, College Football and even Britball. Thanks for listening and remember folks,
0: keep those eyes peeled. <laughs>